You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Good to see all of you this morning. If you were not here last week, Happy New Year to each of you. We begin a brand new series this morning called Close. And when you think about it, the entire Bible is about you and I drawing close to God. How can we come close to this God? How do we, in our brokenness and in our own humanness, our, our humanity, how do we draw near to the almighty God of the universe? I think the vast majority of people come to church for one of two things, or maybe these two things. You come to church, I think, because one, you want to know what God says about fill in the blank. You've heard what your friends say, you kinda know what you feel. You've heard what the talking heads have to say in, in media. But, but what does God say? I think a lot of people come to church. I think that's probably why a lot of us are here this morning. You know, really, I want to know, what does God say? And the second reason I think most people come to church, and it's probably tied with the first, maybe this is number one, and what does God say, number two, is because we want to draw close to God. We want to know him. We want to be near him. And so these next several weeks, we're going to look at different people in the Bible who drew close to God. What did they do? How did they draw close to God? What was the impact once they were in the presence of God? So let's begin this morning. If you don't, you don't mind turning with me in your copy of God's Word to the very first book in the Bible, an easy one to find, the book of Genesis. And let's go to Genesis chapter 32 together this morning and discover the story of Jacob drawing close to God. So Genesis chapter 32, I'll give you a second to get there. We'll start in verse 22 together this morning. If you forgot your copy of God's Word, Please feel free to share with someone next to you. And once you open up your copy of God's Word, keep it open for the remainder of the morning. We'll jump back into this passage several times this morning. Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 22. Story of Jacob. The same night, he, meaning Jacob, arose and took his two wives. Yes, he had two wives. They were sisters. His two female servants and his 11 children, or your Bible might translate that, sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, the wrestling man said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the wrestling man said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven or wrestled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place, if you're from Texas, Peniel, but it's actually Peniel in, in Hebrew, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, which is the same thing as Peniel, just a different spelling, if you will, in Hebrew. Peniel, Penuel, same place, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he, the wrestling man, God, touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Wow and weird. <laughs> what did we just read? Let me say this, first of all. 
It is a perilous thing to draw into the presence of God because you're drawing into a whirlwind. You're drawing into a fire. It is a perilous thing to draw into the presence of God because you're drawing into justice and into holiness. You're drawing into the presence of God of whom I would say is often so unpredictable. One of my favorite books, it should be one of your favorite books, is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And remember in, in the story, C.S. Lewis is writing this out, that, that Susan asks about Aslan and says, is he quite safe? Mr. Bieber said, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And I'd like to say to all of us this morning, I'd like to say this to my own heart this morning as, as well. I'm not saying that we should be afraid to come close to God, but what I am saying is we should not be too comfortable. I'm not saying that we should be um, apprehensive about coming to the presence of God, but I am saying we should not be too casual. For when Jacob drew close to God, he found out that God was a wrestler. It's an incredible story here. In fact, I would call it one of the greatest stories of the Old Testament. It becomes the turning point in the life of Jacob. It became the turning point in the life of Jacob because Jacob drew close to God and it became his turning point. Before that night, before the night that Jacob wrestled God, Jacob was a ruthless con artist. He was a liar, a schemer, a, a manipulator. Many of you know the name Jacob actually means deceiver, but more literally than that, the name Jacob means grabber. And this guy grabbed at every opportunity he could where he would be elevated and everybody else would be lowered. This guy, Jacob, he grabbed at every opportunity he could where he came out as the winner and everyone else was the loser through his scheming and through his lying and through his manipulation. Jacob's life really was a story of never-ending struggle. It might sound familiar to some in the house. His life was filled with fear, was filled with anxiety, struggling with people, struggling with who he was. And we now come to this real pivotal point in the life of Jacob where he's about to see his brother Esau, his fraternal twin Esau, whom he has already betrayed and lied to and, and stolen from. And so Esau has already vowed, when I see Jacob, I'm gonna kill him. And now Jacob's about to see Esau, the brother that he betrayed. Now Esau, he is a man's man. He is big and hairy and he's a hunter and he eats meat and he's impetuous and he's shallow. He is the Old Testament version of Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, right? He uses antlers and all of his decorating. Oh, 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 what a guy, Esau. This is definitely this picture of just this man who is just living in his flesh and, and his twin brother Jacob is about to run into him. In fact, Jacob is making his move toward him and he is filled with angst and, and fear because he's about to see his brother. His, his worst fears are about to be realized. The, the blindfold from Bird Box is about to come off. I know I missed a lot of you with that, but he's about to see his greatest fears. Because not only is his brother Esau in front of him, his father-in-law Laban is behind him, chasing him. 
His father-in-law Laban had also mistreated Jacob, and Jacob had mistreated, had mistreated his father-in-law Laban. Now Laban is the father of Rachel and, and Leah, the two wives of, of Jacob. So Laban is chasing after Jacob, and Jacob has nowhere to go but over to the land across the Jabbok River of his brother Esau. And here he is. His life is falling apart, and anxious for his life, Jacob concocts a bribe. I'm going to pacify my brother. I'm going to give him everything that I have. And in fact, if your Bible is still open, this is not on the screen behind me, but it is in the Bible in front of you. Look at verses 13 through 15 of chapter 32. Anxious for his life, he concocts this bribe and, and sends a caravan of gifts. Here it is in verse 13. We see all the gifts. And so he, Jacob, stayed there that night. And from what he had with him, he took a, a present, a pacifying present for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats and 200 ewes and 20 rams and 30 milking camels gross and their calves and 40 cows and 10 bulls and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. This is not a gift. This was an endowment. Here, I, I, I give you this gift. Don't kill me. And so here's Jacob. Has sent women and children, his wives across the Jabbok River in hopes of pacifying his brother. And now he is exhausted. He's done. He's divested himself of all of his worldly possessions. And he feels like he's about to die. And he's so stressed out, he just falls into a deep sleep there on the banks of the Jabbok. His father-in-law Laban behind him, Esau in front of him, he was too spent to struggle any longer. And in this story, Highland, we see some of our own struggles. We see some of our own vulnerabilities, some of our own exhaustion, some of our own powerlessness, some of our own fears. And in the middle of the night, someone sneaks up behind him. Your Bible's still open. Look at Genesis chapter 32. Look at verse 24 again. And Jacob was left all alone, alone in the desert, facing sure death. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail, he couldn't win against Jacob, this wrestling man, God, touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he, God, the wrestling man, said, let me go. For the sunlight's coming, the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the wrestling man, God said to him, what is your name? He knew his name. And Jacob said, I'm Jacob. Then God said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have wrestled, you have striven with God and with men. And Jacob, you won. You have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, so please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you asked my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Let me give you a few things for us to hold on to together this week, as I hope our desire for 2019 is to draw close to this God. Here's the first thing, and I may scare a lot of you off with this. Drawing close to God is not for cowards who are easily offended and easily deterred. Drawing close to God, drawing near to God is not for cowards, for those who are easily offended. And if I'm reading Facebook and Instagram correctly, 80% of us are always offended by something 
Or if we're easily deterred, I'm just letting you know that the drawing into the presence of God is not for the weak-willed. It's not for the faint of hearts. And I say that to you that we should not go into the presence of God thinking it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be so easy because drawing close to God is not for cowards because you're drawing close to the one who made you. You're drawing close to the one who knows all the stars by name. You're drawing close to the one who gives orders to the morning, who laid the foundation of the earth, who has seen the gates of hell, who has walked in the depths of the sea. You're drawing close to the one who is all just and all holy. You're drawing near to the one who not only calls us out of sin, but also calls out our sin. You're drawing close to the one who is all love, all truth, perfectly right, total power, brilliant light. You're drawing close to God. So don't come close if you have a cowardly heart and you're so easily offended by what he might say to you or easily deterred by at times that you find yourself wrestling with him. It's an interesting picture of what's happening here. If your Bible's still open, look at verse 25 with me again. This is, to me, the, the, the weird part or the wild part, if you will. Uh, verse 25, it says that, that he reached down and he touched his hip socket. Verse 25, Jacob was, was winning. The wrestling man, God, could not prevail against Jacob. So he touched his hip socket. He touched. It's the Hebrew word naga, And it doesn't, it's not like this violent God ripping, you know, Jacob's leg off from him. It is, he gently touched. In fact, that word naga also in Hebrew means to reach. That may be all God did. He maybe just reached toward his hip and his hip popped out of socket. Have you dislocated something before? It hurts. I've dislocated my toe and thought I was gonna die. I was calling for traction and a full body cast. Like it, it hurts. If you can imagine your whole hip being popped out of sockets. It was not God in his violence. In fact, that word nagah is just the opposite. It's a soft touch, it's a, it's a reaching out. And in a flash, Jacob realized who he was dealing with. And I love verse 26, I am not letting go. I will not let go. Jacob realizing that he was wrestling with God. He's drawing in close, I love this also. Jacob says in verse 26, I want your blessing. He says in verse 29, I want your name. The grabber who grabbed hold of everything this world had to offer and left him empty is now grabbing hold of the God who can be known. This is the story, the turnaround story of Jacob, the pivotal point in his life when he drew close. You know, one of our, our real problems, not our first real problems, but our, our real problems is that we often fight with God. We think we know better, we wanna be in charge. We blame him for the conditions of our life or our life story. We fight God because we don't trust God. What I'm saying to you this morning is maybe we shouldn't wrestle with God this week, but wrestle toward God this week. Because here's a man who said, I'm not letting go. God, I want to know your name. I want to know your blessing. I want to know your presence. But don't miss this, friends. God, I think we know this. God could have won this battle. God could have won this battle, but he would have lost Jacob doing it. God could have won the battle but would have lost Jacob, but instead Jacob was experiencing victory in a wrestling match 
with the God who made heaven and earth. Let me show this to you again. I'm sure your Bible's still open. Look at verse 24. We see all through the night. To me, that shows that it's a draw. It was an even match. We see in verse 24 that the man wrestled with him throughout the night into the breaking of the day. Look at the first part of verse 25. When the man, this was God, the wrestling God, saw that he could not beat Jacob, he could not prevail against Jacob, that's when he reached out and threw his hip out of socket. Look at verse 28, when God reintroduces Jacob to a new name. Verse 28, he says, no, no, your name's not Jacob, your name is now Israel, for you've wrestled with God, for you have striven with God, you've wrestled with men, and listen, and you've prevailed, you won, Jacob. Jacob experienced victory. The only way Jacob could have experienced victory in this wrestling match with God, when God limited his own power. Write down this phrase, if you don't mind, or at least consider this phrase with me. God limited his own power and reduced his unapproachability that Jacob might receive victory. Of course, God could have won the wrestling match. But God limited his power and then reduced his unapproachability so that Jacob comes out in victory. And I know you're with me on this. Do you already hear the rumblings of Jesus who would limit his power and reduce his unapproachability by coming to us as a naked, crying baby. And then later in his life would reduce his unapproachability and limit his power even more when he would be on a cross to die for our rebellion. The foreshadow of Jesus already in the first book of the Old Testament in Genesis of a God who would limit his power that we might receive the victory of forgiveness through the blood of the Son, Jesus, who reduced his unapproachability for us. So let me give you three things from this story that maybe we can use this week as you draw close to God. Here's how I'm titling the next three things. The startling truth of drawing close to God is that. So the startling truth of drawing close to God is that, number one, we are unlovable and yet he loves us. That's startling to me because Jacob was a jerk, a lying, manipulating, scheming jerk. I can't think of another church appropriate word to put in right there, he was just a jerk. And yet he was loved by God. Jacob probably reminds us of ourselves this morning, grabbing for every opportunity for us to be the winner and everyone else to be the loser grabbing for every opportunity where our name is elevated and everyone else's names are devalued, put down. Yet, God loves him. In the love of God, God pursues Jacob. Now, you ready for some rich theology? Here comes some rich theology. This is good. God originates and initiates the relationship. Did you catch this? Jacob was not crying out for God. He was not looking for repentance. He was exhausted and dead and alone, spiritually dead. Could not reach out, didn't even know to reach out. And God in his great mercy, God in his great love, initiates the relationship. In the love of God, he pursues Jacob. So I will say to all of us this morning, we are unlovable people. I know myself, I'm unlovable. 
I know a few of you, you're unlovable, but God still loves us. Yet he loves us. This is the grace of God. The startling truth of drawing close to God is that God comes to Jacob out of love. Here's the second thing. We are undeserving of grace, and yet he is still the grace giver. That's the big picture of what we see happening here. The startling truth of drawing close to God is that we are undeserving of the grace of God, and yet God is still constantly that grace giver. That limp that Jacob would probably have the rest of his life was a reminder of the grace of God, not the hostility of God, not the violence of God. It was a reminder of the grace of God because he deserves so, that liar deserves so much more than that. And yet he limped away with his life. That's the grace of God. Have you ever considered before that your wounds, and we all have them, your limps, and we all have them, are actually gifts from the hand of a grace giver? That wounds that you might have in your life, and it may be actual physical health that you're dealing with, lack of health you're dealing with, a brokenness in your body, hurts or carryovers from a past season of life. Have you ever considered your wounds before actually the care and the grace of God that drives us constantly back into his presence? Because even though we're not deserving of grace, he still is the grace giver. The wounds of God might actually be for us the care and the grace of God. Because we all deserve worse than just some wounds. We all deserve a penalty that's more telling than just a limp. Here's the third thing, and I want you to see it in scripture. Genesis chapter 32, verse 30. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And so the sun rose upon him, a new day happened, and he passed by the same town, Penuel, or Peniel, limping because of his hip. In Hebrew, panim is the word for face. El, of course, is the name of God. El Shaddai, El Elohim. So he named that place God's face. For I've seen God and I've lived. He was shocked that he could be so close to God and just walk away. Well, limp away, but still move away. A new day has approached and he just kind of moves on with life, but he'll always remember that wound of God, which for him is the grace of God. Here's the third thing I want you to know. The startling truth of drawing close to God is that we can draw close and still live. That we can draw close and still live after being in the presence of God. Justice, holiness, brilliant light all-consuming excellence and perfection. Get this, Highland. We get the win. But look at the upper story. Step back for a second. See the redemption story of God. We get the win because God took the loss by sending his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our rebellion. So this week, I would say to you, draw close to God, but come with your eyes wide open because he's a wrestler and be ready to hold on. It's a fiery altar and he's a perfect God.
Would you stand with me and let's pray together, please? Father, we thank you for this weird story from your word. We're not confused by it. In fact, just the opposite. We're a little undone by it. God, we don't wanna fight you. I'm not even sure we wanna wrestle with you, but we wanna wrestle toward you this week. Thank you, God, that we can draw close and still live we can be so unlovable and yet you still love. The choices of our lives say that we are undeserving of grace and yet you remain the grace giver. And Jesus, we esteem your name. We treasure your name because you limited your power. You reduced your unapproachability and came as a baby into the stream of humanity and then lowered it even more, reduced it even further by going to a cross to bleed out for our victory. What love, what grace. And we wanna draw near to the wrestler this week and never let go. We wanna know your name. We wanna walk in your blessing, knowing that at times even our wounds or a sign, a reminder of the grace of God. It's through Christ we pray, amen.